are listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast, a show by personal trainers for personal trainers. It's time. It's time to become a better trainer, get more clients, and change more, and lives. Change more lives. Let's let's go ahead and get rolling, shall let's we? Do it. So we're going to be talking about a topic today uh, that I don't want to speak for everybody else, but certainly for me in the discord and, and the students I interact with is amongst the most popular questions that we get on a consistent basis, both from new trainers um, and people who have been in the game for a while. And it's one of those things that things are always changing. You know, there's inflation. There's what if you change your services? What if you move? What if um, you get another certification? You know, it's it's one of those things that you probably are not going to say your prices one time and then not do it ever again. Um, and so we today wanted to talk through the principles behind how to price your coaching services so that when you do have a shift or you want to reassess um, how you're pricing or you're like, I'm just starting and I need to figure out like, what do I charge? I want to be competitive, but I also want to be sure that um, my value is understood and I want to be positioning myself well. You know, there's a lot that the price communicates to people um, without you actually saying anything. Um, so we're going to dive into the factors that will impact your pricing. Uh, the principles behind pricing any package product or service, there is a set of principles that we utilize to say, okay, let's look at these set factors to then fuel a price for whatever the service may be. Um, and then because it's, it's, it is specific, um, but we find it helpful to dive into some examples. So we have uh, a lot of specific examples of uh, different routes that people have taken and how they've priced it all the way from being super involved in their clients' lives to building uh, non-personalized like one-off programs um, to things in the middle. So we'll briefly touch on some examples of how different people have priced their services. And a part of the reason that we do that is because there isn't one perfect way to go about this. Um, and as you know, there are many factors, or you will know, there are many factors that are going to impact that. That won't be the same for everybody. So before we dive in, let's set some key perspectives here. Um, let's set some appropriate lenses. And I'm gonna go ahead and uh, hide the meeting controls here so I can see all the slide, which means I won't be able to see the chat as as usual. Who knows if I can see it anyway? I mean. <laughs> we'll let you know if anyone is asking questions. Okay. We'll keep you updated. <laughs> Perfect. So let's just put some, some helpful lenses on uh, that will really impact how we think about pricing in the first place. So first and foremost, your confidence in your pricing is going to have the, the, the largest impact when we're thinking about service-based industries like personal training, especially when you go out on your own and, um, or if you go out on your own and you want to work independently and not be attached to a gym or anybody else, how you communicate your pricing, how, how you personally think about the, the cost of your services has a huge impact on what your prospects and clients will feel like that as well. I've mentored hundreds, I was going to say thousands, but it's probably not thousands, hundreds of personal trainers trying to make this transition from like, I, I am working with some clients and I want to make this into like a real sustainable business. How do I go about that? I feel like I'm so expensive. I'm like, well, that's a really key piece of, of what you just told me. You feel like you're so expensive for what you're offering. It's going to be extremely challenging, even 
after all the things that we talk about in this presentation today, it's going to be extremely challenging to communicate effectively around your pricing. If you internally feel like that about like who would not who would pay for me, but wow, this is a lot of money and uh, I'm an expensive option. You know, it's like, well, money, the cost should directly correlate to value. So no matter what your price is, you should still be over delivering at that price point. Um, so anyway, it's just a really key thing that I find is a barrier to many, many people effectively communicating the price of their services is you should feel like that you're a bang for your buck. Um, and a lot of that stems from what you're actually doing for these people, which we'll kind of get into in a second. Uh, much of the principles today will apply to both in-person and online. There's, 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 there's some nuance, obviously, that we need to consider when we're talking about like, okay, how long does... Um, it take me to build and deliver these services. Well, if you're in person, you know, maybe you do factor in your commute or things of that nature. Online won't have that as much, but the principles are going to apply to either one. Um, and then, of course, as we say in almost every presentation, but it's it's so true, there is not a universal like this is the best price point. Um, it's there are there are too many factors to consider to look at what somebody else is doing and say, that looks like a good price point. I'm going to just use them. That's what my competitors are doing. Um, it's a crapshoot whether that's going to make sense for you or not. Um, and the reason that we want to give you multiple examples is be to partially highlight there's so many different ways to go about this. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to check these boxes that we're going to be talking about today. And as we're going through, I find it helpful to think about how can you check these boxes for your own situation? You know, you definitely want to understand these principles, but before you go looking to other people and uh, using that to dictate your price, look internally and um, really take these principles and think about how you can apply them to your own situation. I think you want to add there, Sam or Matt? Yeah, no, I, I just wanted, I, 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 Definitely agree, Alex, with the idea of looking internal before looking externally, um, especially for something like this. Um, and those are things that, you know, it's comes down to what is your level, not level of expertise, but where do you feel like you're at right now? Like, what certifications do you have? Like, all of these things don't seem like they're going to be factors into your pricing, but they are. Um, what's the monthly income or goals that you want to create in your in your business um, per month or per week, right? All of these things are factors, which I know we're getting into right here, but those are internal factors, right? No one else is going to dictate that for you. That's an internal thing. So I definitely just wanted to uh, harp on that, Alex. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. Pricing. It's a good one to touch on because it's such a like, I don't have an answer. And oftentimes our first response is, let me go see what someone else who's successful is doing. Right. And it's, not a, it's, you know, it's not a terrible line of thinking. The thing is, we just don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. We don't know. We just yeah. see what we see on the surface. Right. And that probably almost assuredly <laughs> does not tell the whole story. And we're not, yeah, we're not seeing their customer service. We're not seeing how they, how often they talk to their clients. We're not seeing their program design. We're not seeing any of that. You're the only person that knows that about your service. And that, I think that directly correlates with knowing your worth, knowing what you bring to the table um, and, and, you know, real recognizing what 
what pricing you should have for your own product, right? Your product is different than another person's product. That's why you've started training people in the first place. Cause you're like, I bring something different to the table right? Uh, right. or at least to a, to a degree. Right. And if it's the exact same, then as, as other people's, then that's another thing to potentially think about <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and think about how are you different from mm-hmm. the other trainers out there? Why would somebody choose you mm-hmm. over somebody else? Um, that's yeah, also, really it doesn't, cool. it doesn't have to be, I mean, the personal training side is obviously huge, but the relatability, you know, the, the way you talk to people, the customer service, like those things are just as important in this industry, in any industry, but especially when working one-on-one with someone on their fitness goals. For sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, what I would add is if it's helpful for anybody listening, I've been doing this since 2015 and I still just increase my prices for somebody like last week. (laughs) So it's literally, it's my prices have been varying since 2015. And I started at $45 a month for training and nutrition. Um, Back in college, whenever I like my first client ever, I remember it was $45 per month. And then just recently I've sold a package for $500 per month. Right. And so it's like, I, and I've sold for literally every increment in between over those years. Um, And so it's an iterative process. And I think that don't be afraid to change your mind. And and basically it's like over time, I just like, now I'm probably to the end of the cap, like about where I I think the pricing is is solid. Um, But essentially my best advice would to me back then would be to charge a little bit more than you think that you're worth, right? Because I think that for me personally, I would I was always kind of be more reserved, and I don't think that I raised my prices quickly enough. Um, but I'm also not in the camp of like, okay, you just started out, let's jump straight to five hundred dollars a month. Like I don't, I, I just I know that I can't confidently sell like that. Um, so so yeah, don't be afraid to to play around with different price points and and really. Uh, go by feel, but but really go by your own intuition um, and what you feel is right, because that'll probably be much better than trying to just copy and paste what someone else is doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I mean, you can use these factors too to get a starting point. You know, because right. it it doesn't have to come out of thin air. It can be like, okay, let's let's use some of these things that we're about to talk about to get a range, get a rough like what what's even in the ballpark because we don't want to be losing money. You know, we don't want to be spending so much time on a service and charging 45 bucks a month or whatever it may be like, that's, that's not going to be sustainable. And like you said, Matt, you don't want to be selling non-personalized programs one off for, for 500 a month either. That's, that's not going to line up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear more about your experiences, Matt, once we get into some of the specifics, because yeah, totally. I always like hearing about the, the roller coaster of pricing and, and yep. <laughs> how that all goes, but so let's start talking about what you should be thinking about when you're trying to think about pricing your services. The first one, and not the most important, but it's it's a it's a massively influential, is what's the cost, which we've kind of alluded to, on your end to offer these services? How much time is it taking you to build um, and deliver these services on an ongoing basis? How involved are you on an ongoing basis? Um, it's super helpful to break down by each client and then weigh that with an out a desirable hourly rate for you, whether this is the rate that 
you were working um, at a gym at, or say you want to make $50 an hour or, or whatever it may be, you can tie that rate into the amount of time that you're spending on this service. And as a really helpful starting point to be like, okay, so I spend six hours per client and I charge $45 per month. Um, okay. I'm making whatever that may be $5 an hour or whatever. It's like, okay, so that doesn't line up, you know, and, and it can be helpful as like a, a, a filter to see, oh, wow, I'm only making $11 per hour on this client. Uh, I could charge a little bit more because it's because I'm more involved because I'm spending more time. And hopefully that higher involvement and more time is a, is directly correlated with value for the client. You know, it's, it's one thing to, you're spending so much time on something. And so you're charging a lot, but if the client, if, if the outcome isn't, isn't, uh, resulting in the client seeing value from this extended involvement in time, that's, you have to look at that. Um, it, they, they, they should be positively correlated, which kind of brings me into my next point, which is like, what actually are you selling? Um, you know, if, if you're charging $45 for a one-off program that takes you one hour to build once, and then you never have to update it again. And you charge that for $45. Well, now these numbers are looking a little bit better. Um, are you charging $45 and you're doing weekly calls with clients and you have an open line of communication for, um, texts and you're doing a five day a week program and you're also doing nutrition. Well, that's extremely involved. You're taking a lot off of your client's plate. It's taking you a lot of time. This may justify a higher price point. Um, also like, do you need a lot of clients or do you need a few? If you are going the non-personalized, less involved route, that's also going to likely mean to hit some income goals or to just sustain yourself. That's going to be a lot of clients to sell to. Um, or are you selling a $1,000 a month, $500 a month package that's super involved with people and uh, you only need six clients to do that? You know, that it, your pricing is going to be extremely dependent on the revenue and business model that, that you have for your business. How much support are you offering? These these first two points really go hand in hand. Um, and it's always where I start with people. And they say, what the heck do I price? Let's sit down and, and map out what you're doing for each client, how long it takes you up front, how long it takes you on an ongoing basis, and what are the implications of that? What do you want to make at, on an hourly rate? Um, this, is, this is always where I start and where I recommend that you start as well. But Matter Sam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those first two points since those are kind of meaty. Um, yeah, so I think for me, the the one that sticks out the most is going to be um, the the I guess they both kind of go hand in hand, honestly, with the business model and the the cost for offer service. So just like how involved are you, right? Like I, I think that I think that that's huge, especially. Uh, I guess it, it's it's always going to be important, but I'm thinking in the very beginning, you're probably going to have to be, um, oh, it makes more sense to be okay with giving a little bit more of your time and energy into each of these individual clients. And I think that that's actually probably the smart idea so that you can try and give them the best absolute results possible. So that then you can use that to market and get word of mouth and get testimonials um, and, and all those kinds of things. 
Uh, but then as time goes on and as your roster tends to increase, right? So it's just, it's just basic supply and demand. And I think as your demand goes up, um, you have to reconsider like, okay, am I still going to include these, uh, you know, weekly calls with clients or uh, am I going to, um, how customized is their program going to be? Like how quick is my communication going to be? Um, do they have an app? Do they have all these different things? I think all of those are definitely worth considering. And then, but also as time goes on, there's also going to be more experience that you gain. And uh, it's essentially like you're going to become the, the advice that you give to these clients are going to have more weight than they did in the beginning because now you have more experience, right? And so you know which levers to pull and you know which buttons to press. And so I feel like your advice becomes that much more valuable. And so the, the common example is like the, the plumber or whatever who comes in and, uh, you know, you hire someone, the guy hires a plumber, the plumber comes in and he's there for about five minutes. He looks around the sink or something, and then he turns one bolt and then the sink is fixed. And he's like, okay, cool. So he's been there for 30 minutes and he bills the guy like $10,000 or something. And the, the guy's like, you're only here for 30 minutes and you only turned one bolt. He was like, why? Like, what do you mean? I owe you $10,000. He's like, I'm not paying. Like, you've only been here for 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, you're not paying me for the 30 minutes. You're, you're paying me for the 20 years of experience I, I had to know that that was the correct bolt to turn. Right. And so I think that that is where um, you have to factor in your, your pricing as well. As you, as you gain more experience, as you become more proficient, with these clients, even if your communication levels or something like that goes down because your actual specific advice and decision-making process becomes that much more valuable. So it's like the communication, like how fast you get back to somebody may have much less weight than the correct decision and the, the right roadmap that you're giving this client. So that's that's just that's just things to think about as your supply and demand tends to fluctuate as time goes uh, as time goes on. For sure. Yeah, totally. Love that. Um also sorry Alex, I just wanted to say like along alongside that I wanted to say that up front like obviously as we said things will change, pricing will change, I'm sure um products can change. The amount of time you're giving your clients can fluctuate. All of these things can change. But upfront, referring back to a business model that was pretty set in stone at one point, I think is really healthy because it can it can help you set these healthy boundaries with yourself and your client. Um, you never want your pricing to get foggy to your clients. So I what I mean by that is, you know, there's always going to be clients that maybe want you to put a little bit extra time aside for that for them or like they they think they get special treatment it's just it's life that's what happens i'm not saying it's guaranteed right or there's clients that will you know maybe think that they can if you have a package that's $199 maybe they say hey if i took away this part of this package could i get it for 150 right there's things that can happen when you when you are thinking about pricing and applying it to your client services that could get foggy and and we don't want that for you right it, it i think it runs you into a really hard fork in the road if your clients are foggy about it but even worse you're foggy about your pricing and what you're supplying your clients so 
as I said, things will change, but having a good business model that you can refer back to and, and, and really know what you're wanting at this time in your career for your business and for your pricing, I think is, is, is super great. And, uh, will set you up for success. I think as it changes, that's great, but as your pricing changes, so should your business model, or at least, or at least the general idea, um, in that, in that, um, or sorry, I think your general idea can stay, but time, all those things will factor into the pricing as they change as well. Um, so I just yeah. think that in there. No, it's really good. And it's also, I mean, one, it's, it's good to hear that feedback. If you have, if you're consistently getting people say to you, can I not pay this and just take this part of it? Like take that information and think about, is there a, a, a lower tiered package right. I can like, that's solving exactly. another problem. Exactly. Um, and point number two is like, th this goes back to your, to your confidence as well. And your pricing, if, you know, I used to run a business development program with a textbook and all this stuff. And people would be like, can I just get one module of the course for like a fourth of the price? And it's like, we would con always confidently would say no, because right we know that it all has to go together for reasons X, Y, and Z. This wouldn't be valuable to you for X, Y, and Z. So that's not an option. Um, and it's helpful to, the, to again, understand what goes into your pricing so that when someone's just like, hey, can we do this? You don't have to be like, yeah, sure, why not? Right. Because um, that's a slippery I, slope, like you said. Yeah, I think vagueness in general in this area can like be a recipe for disaster. Um, and especially at the, at the, um, front of your career, it's like any money or any time or any client is like, heck yeah, I'm on it. Let's do it. Sign with me. Right. Cause you want that exposure and money and, and client, which obviously is great, but it's just, I think vagueness is what we want to shy away from here. We want to be pretty direct and upfront. And this goes back to transparency with your clients in the first place, Right letting them know these are your prices. This is what comes with each price, whether it's a package or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's conversations around, should you hide your pipe? Should you hide your price from people and stuff? Right. <laughs> I don't, you know, there, there may be, I, there's, there's instances where it's valuable, but for the most part, for people who are here right now, for us, if any mentors, no, be transparent. I mean, it, you're not trying to fool somebody you, right. you're not like, i have to wait to say the price until they like see the value it's like you, you know there that's a valid argument to be made but they're gonna figure it out um when they you know yeah. like it's just <laughs> it's better to be upfront. i think um it's okay yeah. to give a range you know right. where it's like, okay my services range from this to that Absolutely. and i have to figure out like what what solution i want to offer you know that's okay but i would I, yeah I totally agree, Sam. Always, always err on the side of transparency. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's keep diving through these, um, which won't take us too long. So like another uh, factor to consider is uh, the trade-offs between high-end versus low-end services. Um, do you care how you're positioning yourself? You know, do you care how you're branding yourself? Like I mentioned, price is going to communicate um, something specifically to people. You know, this one is, is not a major influence. Um, but, but I put it in there mainly to just make sure you understand that uh, price does communicate something to the public non-verbally um, and it influences how people see your brand and how people see you. And um, it's just, it's, it's just something to think about. Same with target population too. You know, it's one of those things that 
it may not have a massive, massive influence where you're like, okay, I work with moms. It's like, okay, well, moms is going to be a pretty wide range of financial ability. Um, but if, if you're in a certain location or, you know, I've had people wanting to work with kids or things of that nature, like college kids, for instance, like there, there's some, there's some, uh, populations and demographics that are just not going to be as financially viable, just given their, their situation. Um, and so it's just something to consider. Um, you know, I, I have had people who wanted to work with college kids and were charging 250 or 300 a month. I'm like, just, it's just going to be like for, for many of them, it's just going to be a barrier because naturally in that time of your life, you don't, you often don't have a lot of money. And so it's something to consider as well. You know, if you're working in person and you're independent at a location, are you five times more expensive than your competition? Why, you know, um, and also, is this too outpriced for this population in this area? If you're working online, uh, that becomes irrelevant. And then the thinking just goes to, okay, is uh, the target population that I'm working with, are there any financial barriers uh, inherently, like a college kid or whatever it may be, that might um, kind of hinder my chances of selling a higher price point? And then, as we've been talking about uh, since the beginning, and it's a really good point, experience and education is going to make a huge difference. Um, you know, I, I won't even go into it just because Matt went into it well. And um, But as you grow and as you get more experience, uh, you can likely charge more and justifiably. I mean, um, which also, when you're just starting out, it's, as we've been saying, it's okay to charge a lower price point. You know, it everything has trade-offs. If you want to get a little bit more experience, even take on a, on a client at no cost or whatever it may be, that's okay. You know, there there are experience trade-offs when you're just starting that that are valuable. Um, and on the flip side, as as you continue to get more, um, then you should charge more. Um, but and this is a key point, and, and this is what Matt mentioned as well. Clients won't really care about the certifications. You have a ton, you know, like people aren't really asking, like, let me see your cert or, Hey, did you know I have six certs, which means like inherently I can charge you more. It's, it's less about that. Um, and it's more about intentionally educating yourselves. I mean, something we try to do, I've been as mentors here is just like, if you take one of our certs, we want it to, to directly impact the transformation that you're trying to make, not just like get the information for fun and then just be like, okay, I did it. And I don't know what's, you know, how it actually impacts things in my business or how it impacts things moving forward. Um, this is where the certs are less meaningful, especially from a client perspective where they're like, well, okay, you have these, I don't see how it differs in the results. Um, but when it does differ in the results, uh, then your services are better and are worthy of a higher price. And then the last one, this, I was kind of waiting to bring this point up of like the biggest, the, the having a lack of confidence in pricing, whoops, often stems from thinking like, I'm just building them a program. Like, why would somebody pay me this much just to like get a program? That's, that's, that's so often the, the most common perspective I talk to where people are like, I'm so expensive. It's like, remember we are doing much more than building a fitness program or a nutrition program or whatever it may be for these people. Um, we are providing them a, you know, 
solution that takes uh, health and fitness like off of their plate and they're delegating it to someone else, like that could be priceless. We are giving them a path to feeling confident again, to being healthy again, to doing the things that they want to do in their life that they weren't able to do before because of whatever it may be. You know, it, it is, it's so much deeper than just like, let's get you in the gym and lose weight. Um, it's also helpful to think about this because when you're communicating to prospects, when you know that it's deeper than just let's lose 10 pounds, you're able to speak to people at a deeper level as well. But we, again, it has to start with us. We have to believe that. Um, and it's so true too. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just a marketing ploy. It's the genuine truth of actually what, what we're doing, uh, with these people's lives. Any thoughts there, Sam or Matt, before we move on to some pricing structure stuff? For me, it just ties, ties into, you know, cause I've struggled with that 100%. When I started my own personal training business, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm worth it. Like I'm a good trainer. Am I better than my competitors? I don't know. Right. I I've never trained with them and it's definitely easy to get into your head about this stuff. I think it's definitely easy to see people on social media that look like they're crushing it way harder than you are. But I think that is when you have to step back to those internal factors and be like, no, 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 this is what I'm bringing to the table, right? And this is how I'm going to help my clients reach their goals. And I have in the past. And I think that the biggest thing, uh, I completely agree with you, Alex, on like, you know, I've never had a client be like, yeah, can I see your, your uh, certification in a frame? Like I've literally never had that. Um, However, testimonials, um, like girlfriends talking about my training, right? Those types of things, those brew very much so when your product is aligning with your price point, right? I don't think, I don't think a lot of people think nowadays personal trainers are cheap. I don't, I don't think a lot of people say that. Like, I don't think they're like, yeah, she's so cheap. And if they do, they're probably not talking about how wonderful their training is. I mean, perhaps, but the goal here is to have Mary be like, oh, I don't want to train with Samantha. She's too expensive. And for Sue to be like, no, 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 no. She's not too expensive. Her, her services are worth that money, right? I'm not the only person that should be marketing for my business, right? My clients can help me out with that by talking about it, by talking about, you know, what they're doing with me. Um, obviously physical goals, I think mentally, right? You're, you're, you're happy when you're, you're having a trainer help you two, two times a week, right? Things like this, things like this brew and, and they open more doors for you, which then honestly leads to a price raise. So, um, I definitely, I want, I want to be candid when I say I have definitely been in, in, I think it's easy for me to be like, now, like know your self-worth. You can, you know, you can make your programs as expensive as you want. No, I'm not sitting here saying that because I definitely know how it feels to have just been a trainer in a gym for two years and then been like, I don't know if I'm better than everyone else. Right. But I, I do not think that's what it's about. I think it's about being as, as best of a trainer you are not what you think you are. You're going to be the trainer that you know you are and, and provide these awesome services to others. Right. I think that's, that's truly what it's about. Um, but yeah. 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 And if you have a lot of self-worth and you're charging way too much money, uh, yeah. Self-worth is not going to fuel 
that that's right. that's not going to provide the value to the clients that that you need to provide at that price right. point. Right. So right. it's not the solution for everything, but it is the linchpin to yeah. clients seeing the value oftentimes yeah. that you're offering, um, which is, and, you know, I don't know if I want to give it a percentage necessarily, but there's a reason like it's not worth the money is uh, a common phrase. Cause when clients right. say I, this is too expensive, there's definitely a group of people there who are like, it's actually like, I can't afford it in right. my book. Like that is right. that of course, that's a group of people, you know, you listen to some sales coaches who are like, that's never an option. It's like, well, well. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is an option. Unfortunately, right. um, it is. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, it is. At the same time, um, especially if a client has been working with you for a little bit and is like, this is just like really expensive for me. Oftentimes that translates to like, this isn't worth it to me. I'm not, I'm paying this much, this much money and I'm not getting the return that I thought I would, or that I think I should, or whatever it may be. And so if you have that happen to you at any point, or if you're consistently getting like, oh, it's just a lot of money. You know, it's like, there's people who say $199 is, is a lot of money for training and then spend way more money than that on things that, on different things. <laughs> and so they're, they're thinking it's not worth that, that, that price point to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also worth mentioning how, um, how subjective this stuff is kind of what you were alluding to. Cause I literally just had, I literally just had two clients that I just talked with, um, who are both spending about the same uh, amount of money with me each month. And one of them, um, was talking that they were talking about how, uh, so they stopped with me. Right. And, and one of the things that they mentioned, um, was that, uh, uh, it, it was, it was basically something with communication. Long story short, it's like, they were like, I, I, I really saw the value in a lot of your coaching, but for whatever reason, X, Y, and Z, this is just, it, it wasn't worth it to me. Right. And then there was another client who I talked to like literally the day before who was like, everything is amazing. Right. This is, this is incredible. I, you know, I, I, this is worth every penny blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I just thought it was such a funny contrast that for this one person, it's just for whatever reason, your coaching style, how you coached your response times, whatever it was, didn't work for them. However, for this other person, it worked perfectly. Right. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing you see on social media. You see one comment that's like, you're the best. And then the other comment is like, you're the worst. Right. So it's just, there's going to be some subjectiveness with this. And I think that you try and detach yourself from that and realize that, sure, maybe sometimes there, this is really good feedback for you and you take it into consideration and you're like, okay, I was slacking there. There was something, it, this was on me. That's good feedback for yourself. It doesn't mean you're a terrible coach. It just means that you needed that little nudge in that other direction. Um, and, and other times it, it's like, uh, I think that you can uh, take the feedback for what it's worth and realize, hey, this is more of just a personality type thing. This person was looking more for this and we thought it was going to be a good fit in the beginning and now it wasn't. It doesn't mean I'm a bad coach. It doesn't mean that they're a bad client. It just means that it wasn't a right fit that you once thought it was. So uh, I think just taking it all in for for uh, as, as feedback and trying to not 
judge yourself too hard based off of the 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 client's um, feedback if it's if it's negative or or whatever. Um, it, as you work with more clients, just pure from pure probability and statistics, you're gonna have some people, a small percentage, that don't like working with you, that aren't a right fit, that need a refund, whatever it is. Again, don't take it personally. It's just something that you need to learn from. Um, and, and you can try and prevent it from, from happening again in the future, uh, but just expect it and, and don't, don't beat yourself up too much whenever it does happen. Um, yeah. and then the, the other thing that I actually wanted to mention real quick on the certification. So taking another turn for something else. So I'm a registered dietitian and I actually, I have had, had a lot of clients who said that that was very helpful, um, in the sense of, or so as far as why they signed up for me, being a registered dietitian was a was a big part of that. And so I, I feel like for certifications, like Alex said, it's it's good to have the certification one, just in case somebody asks you like, hey, are you certified? You can be like, yes, I'm fitness mentor certified, right? But but two, I think it's it's helpful because of actually making sure that you put the time and effort into getting certified and, and doing all those things. And that's why it's so important. If you do choose to get certified from one of these bodies, it's like, uh, it, make sure that you actually put the time in to put it to good use or else you're just checking a box that actually isn't that important to clients anyway. Right. right. Um, so I, I think that that's use it, use it for, for what it is. And cause I think that if you're not a registered dietitian, if you're not a PhD, Right. For the most part, it's like most people aren't going to they're just not going to know what those letters mean. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I think it's still good to have it so that if they ask you, you can be like, yes, I'm certified. But then also you go through it and you do it because it's going to make you a better coach. It's going to make you a better trainer. That's the point. Right. Like, don't do it just because you're going to check the box of, oh, now I'm certified. It's like you're doing yourself such a disservice, especially if you're going to get certified. It's like you have to go through the material and stuff anyway. You might as well make sure you actually comprehend it and know how to apply it in real life. Um, so, yeah, just the whole point. Right. I mean, that's yeah. like the whole idea right. of the, the purpose of it all, right. which is exactly why I mean, precisely why we started our one on one mentorship, because yeah. we had so many people coming to us saying certified, you know, what do I do now? <laughs> like right. all, all of my effort was going up to pass this exam. Now, how do I translate this into like working with clients and getting money and getting more clients and being an actual coach? Uh, that's not taught as all. I mean, that's, that's, that's uh, less articulated in these, in these CPTs uh, again, which is why we're so passionate about doing what we do. Um, and I mean, you're so right. Yeah. It's, it's, they, they, I mean, I know for me when I got certified and I sat down with my first client, I'm like, okay, I got my certification. I got my first client. She's, she's speaking to me about things. And in my mind, I'm like, what in the world do I do? right now? <laughs> I'm like, what's my, what do I do? I'm like, okay, I have this information and you know, a piece of that's because it was my first client. So there is always going to be a piece of that, but, um, it's, it's such a powerful point, Matt. And, um, and if you're in that position, we have a one-on-one -on -one mentorship that specifically helps people get unstuck and move forward specifically. So reach out about that. Okay. All right. So let's go over a couple of just different like pricing structures. Again, we like to use these 
um as examples as i said these can be mix and match like the, this is not prescriptive at all this is not here's how you price in-person services here's how you price online services it's it's definitely not that it's here are the principles that uh they have used to price their services and here's how these principles manifested in a completely different way so as we've talked about it's really helpful to determine an hourly rate um this is going to be like a really helpful foundation of uh what you do we've kind of like walked through this in the factors that are going to impact your pricing so i'm not going to repeat all of this um but understanding the rate your involvement uh this again hammering in this point because it's it's often the foundation of getting that initial price point and it's the filter of like am i making six dollars an hour here okay something has to change this should this should often be um, at least it is for me, the first step when I'm developing a new service or I'm tweaking something, I think, okay, how does it impact one, my time that it takes to deliver the service? And two, how does it impact clients perceived value that they're getting from the service? Um, you just have to be thinking about those things and neither is right or wrong at all. I mean, there, I, there are many successful businesses who have are very low price point and try to target a large amount of people it's just a matter of what problem are you solving you know back to matt's example maybe that person needed uh something and i, I mean i have no clue not being a conversation but maybe they needed something more involved maybe they needed something less involved um maybe they need it you know it's they likely are seeking a different solution to a different problem. Um, somebody who is, hey, you know, I just want somebody to tell me what to do. I'm already consistent. I already know how to stay accountable. I just need like an experienced trainer to tell me what workouts to do and, and help me track them. So like that, okay, great. I mean, that's, that's a totally valid problem to solve. You probably wouldn't bring that person on for a $500 a month service. It's just not, not what they're looking to accomplish. Um, and it's not meeting them where they are. If someone's like, I have absolutely no clue where to start. I'm terrified of the gym. I can't go in by myself, you know, whatever it may be. And you think they need a little bit more handholding. Okay. Well, a solution that's going to be viable to them is one that's going to be more involved. And so you can absolutely create viable paths. Um, and, and this is a spectrum, of course, it's not either you're doing $45 programs or 500 a month. There's a huge spectrum in between. Um, but just think about all the other factors that we've talked about on this call as to which, which route is going to make the most sense for you. And you can absolutely have varying options as well, which we'll kind of get into with these examples. You can have a solution to the problem of somebody just wants to have an experienced trainer, let them know what to do and stay accountable. Okay. I have an option for that. That doesn't cost me that much money to execute on. Uh, it's, you know, it's a one, one hour call. I build a customized program and then we check in once a month. Okay, great. I mean, that's a, that's a low end option. Um, and it solves that problem perfectly. You, when you're building other packages and expanding, think about what, what problem am I solving for these people? Why would these people buy this from me? Same exact thinking here. Um, so yeah, that was just diving into a little bit more of what we already talked about. So let's look at some big buckets. We'll look at we'll look at online training. We'll look at like like I said, the non-personalized programs. We'll look at a hybrid option in person and online, kind of merging together, um, and possibly even one more too. I don't remember now. 
Um, so we'll dive into some principles of like each of the big buckets, and then we'll look at how some real life examples of how uh, somebody who's a peer online trainer have packaged their services and things of that nature. So online training, remote training, it's often helpful to when you're just starting out. I find it helpful, and, I, and I'm completely open for Matt or, or Sam to disagree with me here, but I find it helpful to, to, to start with one package and one and one price point. That's completely okay. You know, I often, like I said, I've worked with a lot of people trying to make this transition into online. And it can feel daunting to try to think of three packages that solve unique problems that you have to think of the positioning for each and the pricing for each. And you have to execute on multiple services at one time. Um, it can be overwhelming. And oftentimes it can be helpful to just have, okay, here's the one package that I offer. And you can take the feedback that you get from your clients or your prospects when you're talking to them to then make more offshoots. You know, if you're getting a lot of the comment of, could I, you know, like Sam said, could I take a hundred dollars off the price and just have the nutrition coaching or just have the live workouts or whatever it may be. And that's a pattern that you're noticing. Maybe you consider having a lower tier option that just is the live coaching. And then you revisit the pricing of that with these principles that we talked about. Um, literally just said that. Um, and again, it's all going back to are each of your packages solving unique problems? You know, I've talked to people who are like, well, this package has um, one phone call a week and this package has two phone calls a week. It's like, okay, what? why would somebody choose the two over one? And is there that much distinction there? Um, it's a lot more expensive. You know, are you just making packages to just have three tiered options just so it's on your website and there's three tiers? Um, possibly. So just be thinking about, yeah, just be thinking about the, the unique problem that you're solving there. So let's just look at a couple examples of how this might pan out. I think we have two examples here. Um, this is from Daniel Lopez, was a student, just a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer. As you can see, price is extremely clear. This is what stands out when you first look at this page is the numbers, um, not hiding anything at all. And you can also see how he's laid out extremely clearly uh, what's in each package and then also how you benefit from them as well you can see the price points here i think this is laid out really clean um full service and then one-off programs as well um he opted to go every week you know i'm not sure why he obviously it's a lower number and maybe that's appealing for people he works with i know specifically this person is in the entertainment industry and he's a performer um on broadway and things of that nature and I know oftentimes that community can be uh, relatively money conscious. And so maybe this was a unique decision to present lower numbers on a weekly basis for his population, which would be totally viable. We can see another example here. Um, so this one, you know, this one's a little bit less sexy. This one goes for the month. Um, and it's just another route to take. He's very much the no calorie counting, no macronutrient counting, very holistic. Um, but again, he explains what is in the program and has three different options to execute on it. Um, he doesn't have four different options of services. He has 
uh, one option of a service and three different options to pay, which is also fine. And he still outlines the program. He doesn't, you know, list the options here um, like Daniel has, but he communicates this in a way. And I know specifically he works with moms um, and I think moms over 40. And so they, this language is, uh, I would wager resonates a lot better with moms over 40. And this language probably resonates a lot better with people in the entertainment industry and on Broadway. And the pricing reflects that too. It kind of also looks like Ren's, um, you know, verbiage and everything is, is, as you said, and I got this before you even said the thing about moms, it's like, it seems niche driven, or it seems like it's very specific to maybe not, I couldn't tell it was moms, but I definitely can see that he's very confident in his product. And he's yes. like, this is what we're, this is what we got. And <laughs> we're going to crush your goals together. But Whereas I know the other one, <laughs> right. Whereas the other one is great as well. I mean, this is kind of more what I personally am used to and do. Um, but because I like that it's, everything's laid out for me. And if I'm being honest, I see this on, you know, websites. I think I would say a lot of sites that have a membership based product, um, whether that's like, I don't know if you guys know what fashion pass is. It's like, you know, for 70 bucks a month or 80 bucks a month or 90 bucks a month, you can get clothes for whatever, right? Three outfits, four outfits or five outfits. I love seeing it all laid out. And you know what that does? I think to a consumer, it's like, oh, wait, maybe I do need the next one up because I, if I don't, I wouldn't have that thing listed right next to it. Right. So that's as a salesperson, I like this. And as a consumer, I like this. However, Ren's style of, of, um, on his site, his, his product page, I also enjoy because I'm like, to me, that screams confidence that screams he's got his, he's got his stuff together. It may, may not be as sexy, but it's, I, I, I do like it. I like the confidence. <laughs> Which is so funny, Sam, because you're in the entertainment industry and right. it makes and sense like that it. you would like, you would like Daniel better. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact right. that you're like, I, this is really appealing go. to me. I'm like, Daniel did it. It's exactly yeah, right. Exactly. Tell, let him know. Let Daniel know <laughs> that a dancer likes the, no, but yeah, um, I mean, both are great examples is basically what I'm sure. saying. Both are good sure. examples to put in your back pockets. And I think, you know, down the road as your product um, awareness begins to grow, if you guys are new or whether you've been doing this for a while, wherever you're at, you know, as we said, these things can change. But if you do find yourself really working well with a particular niche and you're like, damn, I want to, I want to go full, full blown, just this niche, maybe Ren's way of doing things, it, it does speak more to you. Right. So referring you back can see, to, example, you know, which one, if you just had to wager, and this is a rhetorical question, is going to be more involved? I mean, right. you can even see reading um, with with Daniels. It's like this is his completely uh, non-involved option. You know, right. access to the app, access to a program, instructions that's probably automated. This is like this is almost the forty-five dollar a month option. Right. And you start to work in a little bit of okay weekly accountability check-ins, video form checks is needed, unlimited messing. So now he's a little bit more involved and you can see how it slowly goes up. And now we're introducing lifestyle and nutritional coaching. Right. Um, you know, anyway. Yeah. I see Matt raise his hand. Yeah, Matt, <laughs> he did raise his hand. I raised my hand. 
Oh, sorry, then, Matt. Uh, yeah, someone on our team, Matt. guys. Right. Oh, oh, Matt Hell. Oh, <laughs> I did. But if that's anything, let us know. Um, Matt, Matt, who's talking right now? Do you have any other thoughts on these these online training uh, options that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I agree with you. It's really, it's going to be, it's, it's dependent on so many different variables that uh, I think that it's, it's going to be more context dependent. Um, All things we've talked about. <laughs> All the yeah, things we've talked right? about. Some fun. I know. Um, for me personally, I, so on like my website on my sales page at the very end of it, um, I don't have like a checkout button or anything like that. I have a, a client application, but I do include my cost. Um, a range for my cost. Uh, and so I offer either training only or nutrition only or both. Um, and so the range is kind of uh, along those lines. So I do, I, I do kind of, I'm still transparent with it, but I don't blow it up as big like this. Cause I would prefer typically for people to, um, one read through the sales page and then apply. And then, so then we can actually, uh, chat and, and kind of talk through their goals and things and just, Make sure that they have a full understanding of the value that that I provide, um, but I'm also not completely hiding it either, right? Um, so I think that I think that you can find a, a good a good mix uh, between both of those, and you can you can be strategic about it. I do think it's fine to wait until the end to list it, right? That the, that way they can go through all the benefits and features and everything like that, and then they can have a better understanding of of um, why that price point may be where it is. Uh, but yeah, no, I think other than that. And the same principles would apply to it like a DM too. You know, if you're having like a conversation with somebody and they're like, how much exactly. does this cost? Same thing. Exactly. exactly. And, but honestly, it's like, honestly too, with, I don't know, sometimes with those people, it can go back and forth. Uh, Cause I'll say, probably like seven times out of 10, if they, if they start with price, they're not going to end up signing up with you in the first place. Like they're just, it's just, or they're, they might be a bad client. Um, it's just like, right. That's, another, that's something I really want to emphasize is that, um, don't be too malleable with your prices. And, and I say that in the sense that I, I, I would be up here and be like, you know, always stand strong on the price that you think that you're worth and, you know, always charge that or whatever. But there's been times where I've made deals with people because, uh, but usually th that I've made deals with people from pr a price point. But what I don't usually say is like, okay, here, I'll give you a discount. What I'll say, what I'll say usually is like, um, if I have like a three month commitment price, so just real quick. So for mine, it's like a three month commitment. It's a certain price for a six month commitment. It's a little bit of a lower price. And so what I'll say is like, hey, if you commit by tomorrow for the, the three-month commitment, I'll give it to you for the six-month price. And then um, what we can do is you have to commit by tomorrow. And so essentially, like I make them, uh, it, it, I don't say it's a discount, but instead I'm like, I'm giving you an incentive to get started ASAP, right? Because usually that's what it is. There's something that they, there's some type of barrier that they need just to get started. And so I can give them that small little incentive or it's the other way. I'm like, here, if you think you may want to do the six months, what if we, I'll, I'll give you it for the three month price to start. And then after the three months, if you want to continue, then we'll drop down to the six month price. 
right? And so willing to be flexible with people and just make sure that that you still charge what you're worth and, and you you feel feel good about that. Um, but also sometimes it's like, I'm not going to be the guy up here saying that if you're you're trying to really make ends meet and you you know you're you're wanting to charge $250 a month and the person is wanting $200 a month obviously don't do this all the time or whatever it is but it's like figure out if you can make some kind of deal like hey if you if you pay all up front for 3 months I'll give you 10% off or, or something like that um yeah. I don't know I just have empathy for those situations um but you just had it's a it's a double edged sword you have to be very careful cuz then if that person is a really crappy client it's going to end up biting you in the butt and then um you know you'll you'll learn your lesson but yeah um yeah i think that it's it's tricky but follow your gut and i think that that will that will typically lead you in the in the right path and then if anything it's a learning experience and you can make sure you don't do it again in the future exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. if you have a misstep it's all feedback Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can see for Ren here, like he has those built-in incentives where like, if you want to do six months paid in full, it's going to be like less per month than if you go three months paying full, which is going to be less per month than if you go three months paying monthly. Exactly. Um, and which makes perfect sense, right? Because there's more risk for him going three months paid monthly. So that's a higher price point. And if someone wants to pay for six months, great. All in full, great. That's a lot of money up front. It warrants it being a little bit less money for the client if they're willing to take that big of a step. Yeah. Yeah. I would say to try and get like, if you, if you do need to figure out like a discount situation, I would try to go with the paid in full type thing or a longer commitment. Right. And then that's how you can work with people. Be like, okay, if you're not willing to do the three month commitment for that, could we do a four month commitment for that? Or, you know, whatever, something, something along those lines. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are people that are just looking for the cheapest option and right. that's, that's always going to be in existence and that's okay. You, you probably don't want to work with those people. Um, you might want to, you know, and again, it's, it's all, it's all context dependent. Yeah. But, you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's, that can, that, that population often will find something wrong always, or will always want something a little bit cheaper or, Hey, this other trainer offered me $50 cheaper. I'm going to that, you know, it's, they're there for the cheap price. Um, and that's just, that's not the value that you're offering them. And so there's going to be a mismatch at some point. Yeah. So it's, it's a... You want to know what's funny is the, this, the scenario that I was telling you guys earlier, where I had one client who dropped off because of whatever reasons and the other one really loved my services. The one that dropped off in the beginning of it, I had to really like go back and forth with him on email and like sell him pretty hard. And in my brain, I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this because anytime someone like makes me sell them like that, it's typically not a good fit. And yeah. I knew, I knew that he was going to find something wrong with it. This is just because he, he also came into the situation talking about how he was working with another coach who I'm actually friends with. And I know is a legit good coach. And he was like, yeah, their style just didn't work. They didn't do this, this, and this. And that should have been, that should have been a red flag for me. And I, I, but anyway, again, it's like, I, I, I was honestly just trying to flex my sales skills and it worked. However, it ended up being, he ended up not being the best client anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's just, that's a real life example of this stuff that actually happens. And now it's just something that I'm going to learn from. And I'm going to going forward, if I have a guy who really try and makes me, you know, do some cartwheels or whatever to, to work with him, I'm just going to, or a girl, either way, I'm just going to be like, okay, no, this isn't going to be a fit. I've been here before. I'm not going to do this. You can go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you can always, and you can always have your boundaries of like, 
you know, yes, you're trying to sell these people, but you're also trying to ensure that they're going to be a decent client for you as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. those bad clients that, you know, he didn't say it was a bad client, but like those, those, those right. types of clients often are the root of like so much of the stress and overwhelm and extra work and stuff, even yeah. though it's a small percentage of people. So, yeah. And I think if you can have that mentality, last thing I'll say on this is if you can have that mentality, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very, um, it has parallels to, to dating actually. And something that I heard recently, it's whenever it comes to dating that you can have this, uh, you know, oh, I hope I'm right for them type of mentality. And like, yeah. you're like, kind of come off as desperate. And you're like, oh, I hope I do this right. I hope I do this right. I hope I'm a fit for them. But it's like, what if you flip that? And it's like, when did you think like, oh, I hope they're a fit for me, right? Like, I hope that they check all these boxes for me because I have high standards for myself and my I know my own worth and everything like that. And so it's like, whenever you're thinking about these clients, don't come from a desperation like, oh, I hope they pick me or, oh, I hope that they'll yeah. choose me or whatever. It's like, make sure that they, like, you know, that you are worth it to them and that they are applying to your coaching program for a reason. Um, and it's not just because it's like another filter or something or whatever, like for these other random reasons. It's so that you can actually have a good partnership with them and a good fit with them. And so that you can both get the best out of the experience. Um, cause that'll, that'll save you. It's, it's, it's worth way more than whatever they're paying you. If they're going to be a headache week after week, after week, your mental space is worth much more than that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Are we going to be a good fit? Cause then you can say, okay, as the expert, as the trainer, you can assess both of those. You can listen right. to their problem and say, can I help this person? Like, yeah. are, are we going to be a good fit from like, am I going to be a good fit for this person? And then you can also be assessing do I want to work with this person at the same exact exactly. time? You can be assessing both of those things. They're, they're probably just thinking, can this person help me? Do I like this person? You know, as the expert, we can take on a lot of those, um, a lot yeah. of that line of thinking too. Absolutely. It's a really good point. All right. Let's talk about these last couple. These are a little bit more straightforward. So non-personalized pre-made program. So, I mean, this pricing is pretty straightforward. Um, there really isn't much ongoing work. It's usually just you build it once and then you boom, you sell it. Um, and so a lot of the pricing, yes, you do want to think about how much time it takes you to build these types of things. You also want to look at competition too, uh, cause it's really not taking you that much time. So you want to be relatively competitive there. This is obviously a lower price point option. Um, and again, this is a, this isn't a lower end. It's not worse. This is solving a different problem at a different price point. So let's look at V shred here. You know, this is this is this is one of the more popular um uh uh what we're looking for, like companies um that sells one-off programs. You know, um they have a I like how they label them, they make them very easy to see. Uh, obviously, you know, whether we agree with these distinctions or not is uh outside of the point, but they appeal to their audience and 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 they make it as soon as you look at this page you can automatically, your eyes will gravitate towards something that you want to accomplish. Um, and, and then they make you learn more about it before you buy. So super low price point, you know, who knows if it was $100 at any point, but um, I don't think any of their programs really are extending beyond like the $99 price point in any capacity. Uh, that's because there's not ongoing work to be done with these. And again, if you're having a lot of people who um, 
are seeking a solution that this would solve totally viable to implement this into your practice. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of trainers like associated with lesser, but it's really not. It's, it's just solving a different problem. As I keep saying, this one's fun. Thinks is our last one. What if we merge hybrid and in-person personal training and how the heck do you price those things? So a increasingly common approach, which we certainly like, um, because again, we're going back to what problems are we solving? Working with someone in person and working with someone online, that can create two completely unique problems and paths to solve for your clients. And so a lot of people who are independent are, they have some clients in person and some clients online because um, they're solving different problems. And they also have the middle ground where they work with one client, both in person and online to take advantage of the upsides that each of the environment brings. So maybe they start in person where they check form and they, they build rapport and they do an assessment and things like that. And then on an ongoing basis, they're, they're actually doing their workouts online. Then maybe they do a, a in-person session every two months or, you know, there's, there's so many different structures that we won't really dive into. Um, but that's sort of the idea. And so we get a lot, excuse me, of questions around how do I price these two things? Because they're kind of two different services, but we're blending them into one. Um, and so there, there's, there's several options. A, a relatively common option here is having a your set fee for in-person sessions. So this is probably already set. So you charge 60 an hour, you charge 40 an hour, whatever it may be. Um, and then the monthly fee, we sort of build out how we looked at those other online training op or sorry, the online training option, we add a monthly fee like those other options did that, that we've looked at. And so ongoing, it's just a monthly fee for the online work. And then when you work in an in-person session every month, whatever it may be, you can work like that number into the price. Um, obviously you can create a variety of hybrid sessions, um, uh, hybrid structures, a variety of in-person sessions per week. Um, and it's really, I mean, when thinking about a, a, a hybrid package that's going to make sense, you really got to dive into the client. Um, these packages can make a lot of sense for people who travel a lot. You know, they wouldn't make a lot of sense for people who need you there to execute. Um, they, they're, they're certainly pros and cons. So let's dive into one example here. Um, can I exit that? Okay, perfect. So this is an athletic club uh, at Oregon State University where I graduated from college. Um, and I just thought it was a really interesting, they're, they're kind of ahead of their time uh, with this structure, but this is just one example. You know, in a one month program, there's a weekly 60 minute session, a bi-weekly 60 minute session, and a monthly 60 minute sessions, uh, all a variety of options. And then you can just see those vary in a one, three and six month program. Any thoughts on on hybrid matters, Sam? Uh, I don't have I don't have a ton to be honest because I've never I've never really done both. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that I think this is solid. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't have too much to add. And all of these packages too. I mean, this is this is essentially saying okay. They have an online training option. How do you want to structure your in-person sessions? And so they have a 
here's what we offer for remote training. And then you get to choose how many in-person sessions that you want. So they leave that up to them, which I think is cool. Okay, I'm not even gonna get into online group because the same exact principles are going to apply. Do we have any questions at this point that I have not been saying? No, I do not see anything. Um, someone did mention in the Q&A though, an anonymous attendee. They said, from being in sales and dealing with the barters, it is a waste of time going back and forth, haggling for your services. The confidence should be in the trainer's knowledge and their present physical conditioning to exude to the client that they should invest in your services. I would agree. I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty solid point. I definitely agree with that. I agree with you. Because the back and forth often means they're looking for the cheapest price. <laughs> not, not always, but... Yeah. Right, typically. Sam, did you have anything to add to the hybrid or the online group as well? I just wanted to be sensitive of time. No, I don't have anything to add. I wanted to just touch on one thing that um, I know we haven't chatted on a bunch. Matt, I definitely wanted to ask you because you you said something in the beginning that kind of struck this chord that I feel like I definitely questioned at first and I still do. And I'm I'm sure maybe people here viewing today are questioning. Um we say like, don't, don't look external and don't look at your competition too much. And don't, you know, um, let that scare you out of whatever pricing your services the way you want to do you, Matt or Alex, have you guys taken time to look at your competitors? Do you often do that? Do you not, do you like completely disagree with that? What are your thoughts on comparing? What, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I don't, I haven't, I, I don't do it like outright in the sense of, you know, I go and search for it, but I think over time, just from learning, I, you know, I have lots of coaching friends in the industry. And so right. I, I just hear it kind of through, through talking to them, um, on, on what they charge. And then also like, I know what's really high and then I know what I feel is low. And so, if I, if I hear of other, you know, people who are, who've been in the industry, like they're veterans in the industry and they're charging a certain amount. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I, I think that they have this level of experience and understanding and knowledge and they're charging this. And yeah. I know that I'm maybe about here. So I can use it again, just kind of as a, um, uh, just as a general recommendation, like I'm just aware of it, but I'm also not like, hyper-focusing on it or only yeah. judging my own prices based off of what they're doing. Um, and as your prices have raised in the last couple of years, has that been because of external factors mostly? Has that been um, internally? You're like, okay, I'm ready to raise my prices because of my knowledge and my accreditation and all of that. What does that look like? I think it's 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 more so the the amount of success that I'm having selling people at the current price point. It's okay. literally like if 10 out of 10 people are saying yes, it's probably my prices are probably too low. Um, okay. And if, if only two out of 10 people are saying yes, it's like either my price is too high or I'm not doing well enough conveying the value. Um, okay. And so that's that's literally what I do. And so sometimes if I'm I'm feeling up for it and I feel like it's it's time to try and throw out that bigger number. I'm like, okay, it's, I, I've been getting lots of yeses recently. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a try and, and see what happens. And then as soon as that person says yes, and I like, after I've sold the package for, for $500, I'm like, okay, 
I was like, yeah, it's a good gauge to be somebody, like, somebody thinks that I'm worth that. And so it's yeah. like, I, I now have that extra, that more validation in like, Oh, I, I, I do believe that I'm, that I'm worth that. And now I have some evidence behind it. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's a both, right. You have to know your self-worth and, and be confident in that. But also if everybody's telling, you no, you also can't be delusional, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, cause I know I definitely have wondered those things in the past. Um, and maybe people today viewing or wondering kind of, you know, the steps that I think a lot of times this topic is a thing that we think of when we're first starting our business, but as we go on throughout our business, pricing and all of these things change. So it's interesting to hear it from coaches that have been in it for a while now, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I certainly look at competition for data. You know, I, I, it really doesn't impact how I build out my pricing, but I, it is helpful to know, like, what are, what are other prospects seeing when they Google, you know, yeah, whatever. So, so like, I, I do use it as like a data point for me to just help understand what my, what potential clients might be seeing, or even like norms, like if there's, but even that I, I don't really look, but I certainly like, that's why I'm aware of it. But when it comes to using that to then like go like slightly cheaper than them or whatever. None of that. No, I think it also really depends on where you're doing it, like location wise, but also whether it's online or not, or, you know, those are like huge factors in this because when I first started my business, I was in a very tight knit neighborhood and there was another female trainer who, you know, loves like, strength and conditioning stuff the way I do. And like, we had very similar, I would say vibes. So of course, naturally I did wonder, like, I wonder what her services are like. I wonder what her pricing's like. Right. And I would, I would hear it because we were all, we were catering to the same group of ladies. So of course, as we all know, ladies talk. Um, but at the same point in time, like none of her numbers really affected mine. Cause I was like, okay, that's great. Like, I'm happy that she has those numbers. I have mine. Right. Um, or, or whatever her services were, were not mine. Right. I was going to say, if you're offering the same exact services, that's a different, you know, right. right. But you're a different trainer. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so that's, that's what it is. But yeah, I just figured I would, I would ask some of you vets, <laughs> get your opinions. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I, for me, at least I'm, I'm always figuring it out. I'm yeah. always, it's always learning and taking in data and trying things and, it's a, it's a never, it's never ending. You know, it's, it's, it's always worth assessing, I think. And it's, yeah, as soon as you get to the point I mean, this is a slightly different topic, but like, should, we should always feel like we're, we have so much to learn still. And we should always feel like that we're as good as our, as our last at bat. And we're just a beginner and, you know, we have to understand our worth, but cause I, I, I think it's true for everybody, you know? Yeah. And we um, talked about this in the niche webinar, but it's like, also, like, I think sometimes we go in thinking one thing, but when we truly see what's working for us, that really is like, can determine where we go next. Because if one thing that we didn't think would work is really working, maybe we go down that route. Right. So, and that can happen later in your career. That doesn't always happen right at first. Exactly. Exactly. I can have, it's, it's almost regardless of where you, where you right. are. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we did have one question um, about, uh, so they said, I did some research about applying contracts with clients. How do we approach this to aid in guaranteeing being paid by the client so that we don't have a client ghost us before paying for services? 
as well as aid with retaining the client and to hold them accountable accountable with their fitness goals. How can we effectively apply this practice? Um, Alex, you may have a little bit more knowledge about this. Essentially just like protecting yourself before, you know, like, so, I mean, the pain, yeah, the payment should trigger the services. So no service should be starting before they pay you. I mean, before they pay you, you're just a trainer and they're a prospect and never venture into paid paid territory, building a personalized plan, whatever it may be before you have the money. And if it, whether that's upfront or the first month, obviously, if it's on a monthly plan, that first month's payment will trigger your services. So that's, that's rule number one, um, which I think that was the first part of your question. And then, um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. If somebody is like hesitant to do that, bad sign, red flag. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> And which you can totally go about this empathetically. It doesn't have to be like, I'm not going to talk to you until you pay me. It's just like, great. You know, we are, this is the last step, like submitting this payment or whatever it may be before we can get started. You know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm not going to send you any messages before you pay. In terms of ghosting um, or like clients not paying you or whatever, I, you know, there, there's, there's a variety of structures, like certainly a, a, an agreement up front is helpful. Um, that's not going to solve all of the problems. What it can do is be helpful in terms of planting certain, um, not, not rules, but certain guidelines that you have for your clients. For instance, you must cancel within 24 hours of us meeting if it's in person or else that counts as a session. Or if, uh, you are this many days late on a payment, then I have the ability to stop our services, you know, until payment continues. And like, just thinking about what would make you feel most comfortable um, because all those things are relatively reasonable. Those aren't like, wow, you don't care about me. It's like, no, it's, you know, if I give you, if I give you 30 days or 14 days after you miss a payment to submit a payment and, and continue services, like that's relatively reasonable. Of course, you're not going to continue services if they stop paying you, you know? And again, if people are like, that doesn't make sense, you know, well, it's kind of a red flag there, but you can always explain. Um, so I think having that conversation, like we know people aren't going to read an agreement. Um, but if you can highlight the key points, like, Hey, I just want to be sure, you know, like of these like fine print items here of like, just want to be sure you're noting the cancellation policy. You want to be sure you're noting that, um, that's really all you can do. If, if you've managed expectations appropriately, you don't start services until they pay. And then you try to deliver an exceptional service that also will impact if people (laughs) stop paying you or whatever, then the cases beyond that are very situational and possibly unavoidable. It's, it's likely that you will have a situation like that where, you know, you might have to chase a client for a payment or whatever it may be. And it sucks or somebody's caught, you know, somebody has a hard financial month or hard financial year and they can no longer pay you or whatever, you know, those, those types of things are always going to happen as long as you have the, the barriers in place and they've like signed an agreement. Um, then it, it mitigates a lot of risk on your end because we can't control, unfortunately, like what people do. Yeah. And I think some uh, software, I don't actually use it, but some of my friends do, I think it's called pocket suite. And I think that you can take payments and you can also send over contracts via that app as well. I think it's an app or it's a website or software, something, something that you can get 
Um, but I've heard good things so that you can send over like the payment and the contract kind of all in one thing. And then they can they can sign it right then and there. Yeah. And the agreement isn't necessarily like there is a piece of it that's like, well, if it gets to the point where we have to go back and refer to a contract because there's a dispute, then you have that there. But it's more of just managing expectations appropriately for that client so that they're not shocked when. Right. Yeah, I, I, I do think I the only yeah, the only time that I kind of regret not because so here's the thing, I don't do contracts. And, you know, it's probably not the smartest thing ever. But for me, it's just been it's just it's how I've always done business. And it's been fine for me so far. But the one part where it is annoying is if somebody will agree to like a six month commitment, and then they end up stopping after like three months or something, and they just end up ghosting you. Right. And so, so then it's just it, with the contract in place, you can have something to where, you know, they have to pay out at least 25% of the rest of the time remaining for uh, their, their commitment. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, I go back and forth with it, but I can definitely understand where not everybody might see the things the same way that I do. And so that's where contracts can obviously be helpful. And they can't, you know, it's up to you what, how far you want to go with it too. Yeah, you exactly. Know, someone signs a contract and they still don't follow it. It's like, you want to go to court or whatever, you know, it, most people would say no. Um, right. So the, oftentimes the best solution is build a great relationship. So that you mitigate the likelihood of that happening, which yeah, is exactly. what has probably done over the years. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. Well, everybody. Let us know how we can help moving forward and um, hope it's a great end to the week and weekend for everybody. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. And uh, yeah, take care. Have a great weekend, y'all. See ya. As always, thanks for listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. You can learn more about Fitness Mentors at fitnessmentors.com. Be sure to share this podcast on social media. And remember, we are here to help you succeed.